All right. Welcome to Dopper Prospects Radio, episode 55. I'm Peter Harling. I'm the host of the show. You can follow this show on Twitter at DPR underscore show. Follow me on Twitter at Farling, P-H-A-R-L-I-N-G. As always, I'll start off by reminding you to please do me a favor. Hit the subscribe button. Give the show a like. If you're listening on iTunes, give us a five-star review. If you're using something else in the Hub Review system, go ahead and hit the five-star button on that one, too. So this is a bit of a bonus episode. I mean, I just did an episode last week, and it was almost a month after that. So basically, podcast releases on this show are, are, are pretty unpredictable, as you've probably already figured out from the 54 episodes preceding this one. Um, what can I say? We're the, uh, we're the gorillas of fantasy hockey podcasts. We don't announce podcasts. We just strike and then sink back into the night. Uh, so this episode, uh, putting it out because something happened this week, and I really wanted to get a podcast on about it, and that is Dauber released the 13th annual um, Fantasy Prospect Report, and I'm happy to say that he'll be coming on the podcast in a little bit to talk about that, and we just shoot shoot and talk about hockey a little bit, and fantasy hockey as well, so it's a really good conversation. Um, I'm really happy to have, I mean, the podcast is called Dauber Prospect Radio, and it's about time we got Dauber on it, right? Uh, the quality of the recording on Skype, unfortunately, wasn't very favorable. So I'll do my best to mix with the audio levels a little bit and try and get it as manageable as possible. So I do apologize about the technical difficulties. Um, so the first little segment here, what I wanted to do is also kind of comment about the AHL finals, which are on um, the last episode, I answered a couple of uh, listener questions off of Twitter, and one of the things that I was asked for was uh, an AHL finals preview. I didn't have time to do the due diligence and the research on it, so I just kind of glossed over that entirely. Um, but the AHL finals are on now. I had a few minutes today to uh, to take a look, and what I decided to do was go through about the top 10 fantasy relevant prospects on each team and and just kind of just kind of hit on them a little bit. So first things first an overview on the AHL finals, it is Charlotte Checkers, which is the Carolina Hurricanes affiliate versus uh Chicago Wolves, which is the Vegas Golden Knights affiliate. And uh let's see the path that they took to get to the finals uh round 1 Chicago beat out Grand Rapids. They faced the Iowa Wild in round two. And then they had a long road trip series with San Diego Gulls in the third round. Uh, so that would have been a really grueling series. Charlotte, uh, they took care of Providence Bruins in round one. Hershey Bears in round two. And in the third round, they had to deal with the defending champs, the Toronto Marlies. And I think... If my memory serves me correctly, that was an overtime win, possibly in Game 7 in Charlotte for the Checkers. So, big win there. Uh, now that the series has already started, it's uh, where Game 3 is coming up on Wednesday night. Um, the first two games are in the book books. Uh, they took place in Charlotte uh, with the Checkers uh, and Chicago splitting the series. Chicago won Game 1 in Overtime and Checkers won game two, five to three. Um, so that was this weekend past. We got the game three, four, and five are in Chicago. So this series is a two, three, two split as opposed to your standard uh, two, 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 one. Uh, so the next three games are in Chicago. So the Wolves come out of uh, Charlotte with a split, and now they have three home games in a row. Um, of course, they're going to try and close that series out, but don't count out Charlotte. Uh, and then the final two games are uh, are back in Charlotte. So let's start talking about Charlotte. And I mentioned on the last episode, I think it was, how this team has Ron Francis's fingerprints all over it. When he inherited Carolina... They were not a very good team. They had missed the playoffs for a number of years in a row, and uh, and their farm system wasn't wasn't great either. He did a really fantastic job of replenishing the prospects and building the team up uh, from the bottom up. 
Really great job. A lot of the prospects of the players that are on Charlotte are players that will be moving up into uh, the NHL sooner than later. It's This is not a uh, AHL veteran-laden kind of roster. So let's take a look at it. Right at the very top, you've got a player who kind of looks starting to look like an NHL veteran, Andrew Podorowski. Uh He is leading the AHL in scoring. He's got himself 20 points in 15 games with a nice 10-10 split between goals and assists. Um, what's curious about uh, this player is uh, just the other day, um, on a previous podcast, I mentioned how there are a number of players who, if they weren't made qualifying offers, they would become un- Group 6 unrestricted free agents. And There's a couple players on both these teams' list that fall into that category, were not signed, and they therefore now will become unrestricted free agents. So Podorowski falls into that category. Um, so it's looking like his NHL playing career days uh, might be over. So despite the fact that he's leading the AHL in scoring, if you have him in your fantasy league, I'd be looking at this as a potential opportunity to kind of bail on him. Uh, Sticking with Charlotte, the next player on their scoring roster is uh, Morgan Geeky. He's in his rookie season as a pro. He was drafted as an overager, so he went from from junior to the uh, pro ranks. He's 20 years old. He's a center. He's got a point a game pace going with 16 and 16. Uh, in his rookie season, he scored uh, 46 points uh, as a rookie and as a 20 year old. So that's pretty impressive rookie season. Another player, the young player that they have coming up, Alexi Sorella. He's got himself 13 points uh, so far in the series. Nick Roy, he is in his first full season as a rookie as well. Um, you might remember him as the player for Canada in the gold medal game, in the shootout, and he kind of fumbled it, didn't even really get a shot off. Um, that had, If that were me, that would be crushing. That would be devastating for my confidence in my career, but he's looking pretty good. 16 uh, games in the postseason, four goals, 13 assists. Uh, he looked like he was uh, getting regular minutes and, and playing an impact role with uh, Charlotte in the games in Toronto that I watched. Speaking of Toronto, Trevor Carrick, he's their top-scoring defenseman in Charlotte. He's uh, a former Maple Leaf. Uh, he's playing in the AHL right now, of course. He's a restricted free agent, so he may or may not be back with that organization. Um, he's got himself 10 points in 13 games. Not too shabby. Uh, Martin Neshkash, a uh, highly rated prospect in his rookie season. Uh, he's got himself 9 points, 3 goals, and 6 assists as a 20-year-old rookie in the AHL. Julian Gauthier, two years removed from the draft. He's 21 now. Uh, he is uh, looking pretty great in pro hockey. Um, he's only got six points in the playoffs so far, but uh, I still like this kid, and I think he's got potential to make it to the NHL. Maybe not in the top six role, but if you're in uh, bangers and mash league, keeping Carlson, uh, then he'd have a little bit of extra value. Hayden Fleury, the next highest scoring defenseman for the Checkers, uh, 22 years old. Might might some people might be disappointed because he was such a high draft pick and he still hasn't made it to the NHL yet at 22 years old. I don't think that's necessarily a problem. Uh, he's got himself uh, six points, but he's only played eight games, so there's been some injury there. Stelio Mathios is in his rookie season. Um, not even season. I mean, he played in the WHL this year with Brendan Wheat Kings as their captain, and he had a great season there, 96 points. That's fantastic. He's played uh, 11 games with Charlotte in the postseason. He's got himself three goals and four points. Jesper Selgren, uh, he's been turning some heads. He is a very late uh, sixth-round pick from the 2018 draft, and he's finished up his season over in Sweden playing in the SHL where he had 15 points. He's come over, and he joined the Checkers for their playoff run. In eight games, he's got three goals. One of the one of the goals I saw, he scored against the Marlies, and it was just a laser. Really great shot, top corner, beautiful. Uh, he's 20 years old. He's a player that looks like uh, if a if a position becomes available on the big club, he might might not be long for it. And of course, you've got Jake Bean. 
uh, 20-year-old defenseman, offensive defenseman coming out of the dub as well. He's got himself three points in 12 games. He was the AHL uh, all-rookie team in the regular season in his first year as a second year as a pro. Yeah, first year as a pro. He scored uh, 13 goals, 31 assists for 44 points. That's very impressive. He hasn't been finding the net so much in the playoffs, but uh, his regular season points kind of speak for themselves. Uh, and in goal, the checkers are pretty solid. They've got Alex Nedeljkovic. Uh, I really like this kid. Uh, he had a really, really great junior career in the OHL. And since he's gone pro, he's kind of bounced back and forth between um, ECHL and AHL. But this season, he's really found his stride. Um, he In the AHL, he was regular season, uh, first-team All-Star, um, AHL Goalie of the Year. His record was 34-9-5 with a 226 goals against average and a 916 save percentage. He's carried that over into the playoffs with an 8-3 record. 228 goals against the 914 save percentage. So um, Alex Ndalkovich is really working his way up in the um, goalie prospect rankings. Uh, that's pretty much it for Charlotte. So moving over to Chicago, which is the Vegas Golden Knights affiliate. And remember, this team is really just two years old. I mean, Vegas made it to the Stanley Cup Finals last year. They made it into the playoffs again this year, and they kind of got some bad luck. Um, And their AHL affiliate is in the finals. Um, So everything's going going great for that franchise. Their top scorer is a AHL veteran, of course, 28-year-old Curtis McKenzie. Uh, Last year, he led um, the Texas Stars to the AHL finals. So this is back-to-back finals for him. Came up short last year, so he'll be looking to amend that this year. Uh, the 28-year-old left winger has uh, eight goals and 14 points in the postseason. Uh, a more fantasy-relevant prospect for sure would be the next on the scoring list, and that's Cody Glass. He is their top prospect by far. He's 28 year 20-year-old center. He has 14 points in 19 games, and he'll be really challenging to make the Knights roster um, to start the season next year. Um, Next guy on the list, Thomas Heike. He's a player that in their preseason games, I really liked him. I I was impressed with his hustle and his speed, and he's got decent hands. He's 26 years old, and he's a restricted free agent, so he may or may not be back uh, in the Vegas organization. But he's got 14 points in the playoffs, so that's not bad. Uh, now, the next player on the list, this one's kind of interesting. He's probably under the radar and could probably be available in a lot of your fantasy pools. His name is Zach Whitecloud, and he's a 22-year-old defenseman. So last year, at the end of the season, he signed as a NCAA uh, free agent rookie, and he's in his rookie pro season in the AHL. Uh, and... He has himself 13 points, uh, three goals and and 10 assists in 19 games. And he's one of their top scoring defensemen in the regular season as well. Uh, He is the AHL playoff scoring leader for defense. So this is a player that uh, I think has got some pretty good sleeper sneaky value and for a lot of people in fantasy leagues. Uh, The next on the list is Nick, Nick Haig. He's another rookie defenseman. He is 20 years old. He's got himself 10 points in his regular season, though. He had uh, 32 points, which is pretty impressive. 13 goals, which is just great. 13 goals as a defenseman in the league is good, but let alone from a rookie. Uh, Keegan Colsar, here's another interesting player. He's 22 years old. He's a right winger. He's a big guy, 6'2", 227. He's in his second season in the AHL, and he's taken a big step forward. Uh, he posted 36 points this season and has 90 penalty minutes. So he's a bit of a, a roto bangers and mash, keeping Carlson, kind of player. Um, so in the playoffs, he's got a uh, half point a game, nine points in 18 games with six goals and three assists. So he's a player who I think has got some, some fantasy value in, in deeper leagues. Uh, the next couple of players are prospects who I'm 
going ahead and classifying in the bust section. Stefan Matteau scored the overtime game-winning goal in Game 1, by the way. 25 years old. He's an unrestricted free agent. Falls into that Group 6 category. He's got 18 points in 19 games, but um, I don't don't think Matteau's going to make it. The other one is Griffin Reinhardt, 25 years old. Also Group 6 unrestricted free agent. He's got himself seven points in 18 games in the postseason. Uh, fun little side story on this. At my day job, I, I was chit-chatting with a player who's at Queen's University, and he went to uh, he played came from the dub, and, and he played with uh, with Griffin Reinhardt over there when they were in junior. And I asked him, I said, "Man, how come this kid? He's like a high on high end draft pick. How come he's he's not making it in the NHL? He's looking like a bust." and he just kind of smiled and, and looked at me, and he said, yeah, he likes to party too hard. So that's unfortunate. Next player on the list, and I really like this guy, um, Gage Quinney. I, we spoke about him on a episode ages ago, back when Paul was hosting with me. Um, so this is a guy who's another undrafted free agent coming out of uh, the WHL, actually. Not NCAA, but a WHL undrafted free agent. He is a Vegas-born kid, played some uh, lower-level hockey in Vegas before going to the WHL, Um, signed as a free agent. He played uh, a season for Pittsburgh's affiliate, Wilkes-Barre-Scranton, and I think he had like five goals in two games to start his career or something crazy like that. Of course, he wasn't able to sustain that pace, but he does have three points, sorry, three goals and six points in 15 games. And he is under contract with Vegas uh, for another season. So he's got another year to try and and work his way up on the roster. Um, Another player who I want to talk about uh, is only played four games in the playoffs, and he's got no points, uh, and that's uh, rookie defenseman Dylan Coughlin. Um, 21 years old, uh, but why I want to talk about him is is because he's been injured um, for the most part during the season. But uh, sorry, during the playoffs. But during the season, he had 40 points, 15 goals, and 25 assists. So that's 40 points as a rookie in the AHL. So it's unfortunate that he missed a lot of playoff time. Um, people might not have been uh, as hip to him, but I just kind of wanted to shed a spotlight on him. Uh, let you all know that uh, this is a this is a fantasy prospect that. Uh, probably is available in your league and is probably someone that you want to put on your watch list or, or maybe even add. Uh, in the pipes, Chicago's got Oscar Dansk. And uh, I like Oscar Dansk. He, uh, he's been kind of up and down in his career. When he came over in the import draft to play with Erie, his first season wasn't very good. But then again, Erie was god-awful as well. Then Connor McDavid came along, and that all changed, and uh, he was fantastic. Uh, then he turned pro, and his first pro season was awful. Um, I think he even went to Europe for a bit. But then he came back, and um, lo and behold, Vez picked him up in the expansion, and their first year right out of the gate, they had all those injuries. Fleury got injured, and uh, Subban got injured, and blah, blah, blah. Dansk played a bunch of regular season games for them, and he was just lights out. Um, and then he even got injured, and they had to, like, emergency recall um, someone from the OHL. I forget his name now. Uh, anyways, he's been rock solid his whole time in, in Vegas. He had a great first season, um, great second season. He's followed that up, and, and he's been carrying them in the playoffs too. Um, he's got uh, a 10-6 and record uh, in the postseason, 2.31 goals against a 9.18 save percentage. Um, so if you get a chance to watch some AHL games, those are the players you want to be looking at off both teams for scan- fantasy hockey scouting purposes. All right, so I'm going to take a little break here, and when I come back, I'm going to be chit-chatting with uh, the man himself, Dauber, going over the Fantasy Prospect Report and just talking fantasy hockey in general. So hang around for that. (laughs) 
All right, so here's my little interview that I had earlier today with Dauber from Dauber Hockey talking the prospect report. So Dauber Prospect Radio, name of this podcast, and this is episode 55 or something like that, and it's the very first time we're getting Dauber on the Dauber Prospects radio podcast. So it's a little bit overdue, but thanks for coming on, Dauber. How are you doing, buddy? Um, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Right on, and you just released your uh, fantasy prospect guide, so that's kind of a lot of work off your plate for the moment. Um, do you have much time off before you start doing the fantasy guide that launches August 1st? Uh, yeah, I generally don't. Uh, I can't really do much with that until uh, settle down. Draft and, and free agency get in the rearview mirror, and you know where the rosters are looking like, I suppose, huh? Yeah, yeah I kick that off maybe. Like, uh, this month I might um, prep some of the writers and get some of the planning prepared in that in advance, but content. Yeah, I get a nice break. Right on. So let's talk about the prospect uh, report then that just came out. This is your lucky 13th edition. Um, I've seen a couple of comments that you've made on uh, ramblings or social media and stuff, so just kind of wanted to get your take on a, a couple of things. Uh, one thing that I noticed, and this is in like the top 50 rankings too, you kind of favored the older players a little bit more heavily than uh, than the consensus rankings, and they kind of leaned towards a little bit more of the 19 draft guys. Um, let's talk about the older versus younger aspect in prospect, which kind of, for me, boils down to the player's ETA versus their upside. Um, so what do you put more emphasis on? How quickly you need to sit and stash them on your roster and wait and percolate on them? Or how quickly can they contribute to your roster versus, okay, so they can come and contribute to my roster and start providing me 40, 50 points next year, and that's like the career best. Or do I wait five years for a guy that might give me 70, 75 points? Uh, is that kind of the stuff that's going through your mind when you're, when you're kind of looking at prospect rankings? Yeah, you got to weigh that out. Um, naturally, the, the players being drafted now um, almost always will have uh, a higher upside and better payoff. But uh, you got to wait, or you got to weigh how long you got to wait for that, right? So a guy in the top 10 or top 20, maybe you're going to see him this year or next year at the latest. Yeah. All right. So one player on the list that I thought was kind of a little bit polarizing was Gusev. You had him ranked as high as fourth. Uh, Cam had him there as well. The consensus had him all the way down at 12th. Um, I would question if fourth might be a little bit low because, I mean, yeah, he's he's an older player, but he's he's son. He's coming over and he's just dominated everywhere he's played uh, and expectations for him are through the roof. I think you could jump in and have the same kind of impact that Panarin had when he came over. Um, so I think maybe you could you could debate if whether or not fourth is is a little bit too low. Uh, I think twelfth is is definitely low. Uh, am I uh, am I reading the tea leaves right on this one, or or is there something else that's going on that you think has him uh, a little bit lower on on some of the consensus writers list? I think uh, no, I think you got it. I mean, I think uh, he's only twelfth because um, missed on on some lists. They just either weren't thinking of uh, an older player like that at all. Uh, just missed him, so let's see if that brought the average down. I don't know if um, go any higher than fourth. I mean, the three that are ahead of him are uh, chippers, to say the least. So it's uh, you know debatable, but uh, any one of those four, I think. Uh, yeah, he might be actually. Yeah, fair enough. Is coming from could be another uh, ship, ship it off, uh, situation. I mean, there's always that risk too. So that's a very fair point. Um, the Russian factor—you never know. He comes over, he plays. He may not like it, and uh, he might say peace out. Um, moving on to the goalie list, you've got um, Elvis Merz Lincoln's ranked really high he's your number two ranked prospect 
Uh, tell me a little bit about why you're so high on on Elvis. That's uh, that's another situation. Uh, wait, the wait time. Um, I just can't stand sitting on tenders. Like uh, I remember when um, uh, Samsonov was drafted, <clears throat> and uh, he was picked up in my uh, keeper league that that year. And I'm just like, what? lost your spot for six years on him. I mean, and he might not even pay off, given that things are with goalies. You just coin toss no matter how great. And uh, here we are. I think it's been five years now. Hasn't contributed. Um, Lincoln says uh, right now Columbus doesn't have a starting goal. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, the last time he brought a European into their lineup and made them their starter right away was uh, on first. So, I mean, it has happened. I recall we knew as much about Lundqvist as we do about Lundqvist uh, now. So, stranger things have happened. Uh, I think that's worth the risk. And the downside is Columbus signs a starter. Maybe. You know, who knows? Maybe someone like a Mazic or something could be a starter, but could also settle in as a backup without pressure. That would be the right way to go. But, you know, if they sign someone, then at worst, um, there's a backup. It's just a start. Right. And not only that, but, like, Samsonov's got Braden Holpe in front of him as well on the roster that is kind of a kind of a roster blocker. All right, so that totally that's makes sense reason, to me. That's the reason I don't even have uh, Caden Primo on that list. Is, uh, I look at that stuff. I mean, it, you got to look at what's ahead of them and the opportunities and the timing, right? Like, uh, this goalie contract ends, when this goalie comes up. I've always thought that shifts. Uh, uh, it does seem like we've been waiting forever on a couple of these goalie prospects. Um, okay, so let's talk about... Um, the the format that you choose for the prospect rankings you're looking at uh on an average or typical league that has about 12 to 15 teams uh 25 to 35 players and four to eight uh prospect spots uh why did you choose those parameters is that like what you feel is just the most popular hockey pool size yeah i mean you gotta find uh you gotta find commonality as best you can Two of my leagues uh, are, are like that, two of my keepers, and, uh, you know, just based on some emails and feedback that I get, um, there are a lot of leagues that are around that. I mean, there's different amounts of keepers that uh, leagues would have or stipulate, um, but uh, there's all the, you know, other categories that can be added. Um, <clears throat> if you get into stuff like that, you have a pretty uh, fast difficult document to put together so um keep it simple and uh, so far it's it's worked yeah and i think as well because you you're, you're pretty clear about what the uh what the parameters for your rankings are and whatnot and that if you're in a league that maybe mirrors the nhl and has 25 prospect players on it as opposed to four to eight then you know you just kind of use some common sense and make some adjustments there the players who are on the do not draft list for a five ten prospect team is are very draftable. Otherwise, they wouldn't be in this fantasy report. That's why we're talking about them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And also, I think there's some uh, some value in putting a prospect in there that is has no value, um, just to make clear to they were thinking there was some value, and this kind of settles the notion. That not, is that as well? Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, let's get back to uh, the goalies. There's one more goalie I wanted to talk to you about, and he's a player that I don't really have a lot of information on myself, so I'm really curious to see what you have to say about him. And because I don't really know much about him, I think uh, he could have... Uh, a lot of people could be sleeping on him, and he should be widely available in a lot of leagues, and that's Colorado goalie Pavel Frankuz. Um What's the 411 on this guy? 
Um, well, he he um, um, came over to uh, North America last year and had himself uh, a great season. I think he transitioned well, um, and he was an unrestricted free agent this summer, um, guaranteed to get a contract. Probably going to get a one-year contract somewhere. And I was just impressed that uh, Colorado made sure that uh, he kept him, so he will be their backup. And uh, another thing that I like about that situation is uh, uh, Grubauer. Um, he, uh, he finished the season great. He's going to be a starter. I have a lot of confidence in him. Um, but there's always the injury factor. You know, I don't. He, Frank Coos is a goalie that I wouldn't mind um, sitting on for a year, seeing how he is uh, in a backup role. Um, his numbers are like, and uh, if that can, you can grow that future seasons. Cool. Uh, okay, so you also had uh, a comment in your ramblings uh, today or yesterday about how every year when you go through this and you comb over all the team's prospects and you read up on everything that you, all the research that you've done on the teams that you write for and all of the prospects uh, that have been provided for you by the writers and a couple players always jump out to you. Two players that you named this year are Buffalo Sabres center Victor Olofsson and San Jose Sharks' uh, Sasha Shemlevsky. Uh Why did these guys jump out to you? Why are they uh, your, your picks this year for breakout prospects? Um, in the case of Olsen, he, uh, you know, really, he, what, when guys come over to uh, North America like that and uh, they make this kind of quick impact, um, and Olsen came right over and uh, first year, Rochester almost a point a game, 30 goals. I mean, um, to me, that, that gets my attention. I really like that. Also, I like um, the situation um, in Buffalo. I just think that uh, it's a team that's in growth mode, obviously, and um, just getting started. I think that uh, uh, a long ways to go before they become a really great high-scoring team, but they're well on their way. And uh, he, there's room for him. And just the situation works, how quickly he adapted works. And then even in six games with, with the Sabres, he got uh, four points. So he kind of made an impression that way, too. So he's just uh, raced up the list over the past year. Um, and with uh, Shemlevsky, I mean, I, he caught my eye doing prospects report last year. Just uh, really, um, uh, you know, just how well he's he's done uh, internationally, and uh, just San, San Jose always seems to find uh, that one top forward every year that just kind of still turns their lineup like conveyor belt of uh, of talent, you know. So you know, he's a uh, so Shalevsky, sure enough, this year, you know, at the, the World Juniors, he, uh, to me, he really caught my eye. And uh, so maybe I kind of went into prospects report with a bit of bias already, but uh, there's nothing that I've seen that I dislike. I performed in the playoffs, playoffs and uh, internationally, just when the pressure's on and when it counts the most, um, it's production steps up even more so these are the kind of guys that i, I really um i don't think he's going to slide into the line next year but uh the year after i think he can move as quickly as kevin uh kevin Levin. yeah the world juniors is uh as a tool that i really like to use to scout prospects too for fantasy hockey and i look at players who stand out there and it's it's risky business because you often see players who do really well at the World Juniors and then aren't able to translate that success over to the NHL. And yet, I still watch the World Juniors every year, and I fall in love with certain players, um, and uh, like Martin Revi, and then they just never 
they never translate it in the NHL. So I always try to to limit my own bias on that as well. But it's a challenge, and you know. But yeah. then again, fantasy hockey is you go into it for a couple of reasons: you, to win some money, or to have bragging rights over your friends, or just to kind of test your own um, ability to identify players. And you put them on your roster, and then when those players make it. It's very satisfying. It's super rewarding, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it sure is. And uh, especially if they're later picks. I mean, you, you, you pick a guy first overall in your, your draft or second overall, um, no, it's not satisfying at all. You take that guy fourth round or near the end of the draft, and whoa. Um, remember, taking Jake Gensel is one of the last picks of my draft that year. Might be the best pick for you know, that area of the draft in history of our near history of our pool who are some of your uh your your personal biggest hits and maybe some of your biggest misses players that you thought were going to be legit and never made it or players that you thought wouldn't make it and despite that they did <laughs> for some reason i remember the uh, failures more um the two that stick out the most are both um, Blue Jackets. I'm sure you know Filatov. Um, <laughs> I mean, that was, uh, that was a matter of um, injuries happening at the wrong time and attitude and just, just some things that as Bruins you can't really control. What you can go by is the talent and the fitness level and the upside and the opportunity, and he had all those things, and nothing worked. And then, do you remember uh, Jaroslav Belastic? I I kind of do, and I I remember he picked up the the Belastic missile moniker. <laughs> yeah, so I got him uh, four round draft, and I think I took him the second round. Oops. He, he was not uh, anywhere. Did he even play in the NHL? Yeah, he ended up being a dud. Uh, here's a funny Filatov story. Um, I don't remember who I heard this from, but uh, when he was in Ottawa, I remember just before he got traded um, or cut loose or whatever it was they did with him, uh, I heard a story that the coaches pulled him in for a meeting and they were showing him some video. And a lot of it was like they're trying to coach him on going to the net, driving to the net, looking for second chances and all that. And in the middle of the of the meeting and they're showing him all these clips, he stands up, says to the coaches, Philly don't do rebounds, and walked out. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that amazing? I don't know if that's true or not, but if it is, it's a fantastic story. And I'll never forget it. That's a great story. Uh, I seem to remember the hits more than the misses, although I have more misses than hits. Um, selective memory, I guess. Andreas Athanasiu is one of my favorite hits. I've been in love with this kid since he was in the OHL in Bay Area, I saw him playing against the Frontenacs, and his speed was evident even then. But what stood out to me was that he could do things with the puck while traveling at warp speed, you know, like um, carry the puck, stick handle, keeps his head up, making passes. And um, I, I, I thought that that was a very translatable skill to pro hockey. And um, so I got lucky on that one. I think my biggest miss was Brian Fogarty. Do you remember him? Oh, man. I mean, his junior hockey records are, are just gross. Um, and he did it all while while he was drunk at 15 years old, too. Um, he's a player that I thought, like, despite his, his issues and his problems, he's still going to make it to the NHL because he's just that talented. But uh, unfortunately, he was never able to put it together. Oh, that was a fun little sidetrack. Um, <laughs> all right. So let me ask you another question here while I got some some time with you. Um, what are some other favorite prospects you learned about building the prospect report? We talked about Olofsson and Chemleski. Is there a couple other guys in there that you're like, hmm, I'm going to maybe try and draft him this summer? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, you jot down notes, uh, you know, like uh, high rows on uh, uh, Detroit. Uh, I got a weird hunch about the goalie for others. It's just not, not, you know, because of pedigree or his talent. Um, 
with him. It's a just from opportunity again, and uh, you know, I don't have much faith in uh, Edmonton's current goalie, and uh, really, what other choices do they have right now? So it'll depend on who they sign this summer, but uh, there's him. And, Okay, let's let's talk a little bit back up a, a tad there. And you, you mentioned Taro Hirose, um, NCAA undrafted player, signed as a free agent by Detroit. Had a cup of coffee at the end of the season. Didn't look out of place. NCAA undrafted free agent signings seems to be uh, a, a revenue stream for for scouts that has kind of been untapped in the past. And um, is it just me, or is the quality of free agent players getting better? Or maybe it's because the league size is expanding. Um, I guess the most successful NCAA free agent signing in history could arguably be Tyler Bozak. So we're not talking about franchise players here. Um, do you think Tara Hirose could could set the bar for best NCAA free agent signing? Rosie, see, I didn't know how to that. I think I've uh, seen him play when he got to Detroit, or if I dated him. Going high rows. Spelled high rose. Is it Rosie? I think that's how you pronounce it. I watched some some college games. That's what the uh, the oh, announcer uh, in college. Okay. Yeah. No, I just go. I'm just on this guy. I go strictly by what uh, my my uh, scouts report in. So. No, I as for I I think these guys. I don't think the quality has gone up any. I mean, because the quality of drafting and, and finding the guys has gone up as well so it's like uh there's there's late bloomers and that's that's always been there um i mean um wasn't mike ridley uh undrafted player who's uh signed out of uh canadian university even that's going back there's always, there's always been guys that that's always been the case and every year we we see uh you know a dozen Maybe two dozen uh, NCAA players get signed. Maybe a dozen of them catch our eye, and uh, one pan out each year. And that's that's really what it what it works out to. And uh, right now, though, it looks like Harosi is uh, that guy. Though he's the one that's. I mean, because he went jumped right in there and got uh, what uh, eight, eight game point streak or seven games to start his career. Yeah, uh, Max Verona looked pretty good in in Ottawa too. So taking into a consideration, what's that? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So taking into consideration what we talked about right off the hop, older players versus younger players, and the ETA and the upside and all that, I would say the upside for college for agent signing players uh, is pretty modest. I mean, to your point, they were never drafted for a reason. They're late bloomers and all that, but it doesn't. I wouldn't count on these guys being more than 50-point players at best. However, you don't have to wait five years to find out what you got. You'll know within a year. Even if they're assigned in the AHL, you know if they're going to be worth keeping or not, if they have you know any sort of NHL upside. And um, if they can't get out of the AHL in their first season, then you know they're, they're probably 24, 25 by the time they get out of college. So That's a big appeal to me, too, yeah. I mean, I'd rather um, swap out. 24, 25 year old, um, five times, five straight years. Just take take a chance on one of these guys. Didn't work. Take a chance on another one. Didn't work. Keep doing that, and you give me five chances, one of them will work. I'd rather do that than uh, take a guy who's 18, sit on him for five years, and you know, 50-50 doesn't make it anyway. So does that your appetite for that? Does that change? based on the number of keeper spots you're allowed to have for prospects. If we're talking like four to eight prospects, then then absolutely, I get that. The leagues I'm in, I get like 25 yeah. prospect Once spots. Up over, over 12, I don't mind. I'll take guys that I'll sit on for six years, sure. Yeah, I kind of do a little bit of both. Yeah, I mean, I, I, if, if you have 25, um, I would have at least 10 spots open or just, just to sit there and... Uh, like guys marinate and hope for the franchise kind of 75 point upside player right yeah. yeah and then maybe three years in you'll be able to drop a couple you'll see that they're not going down the right path uh, bring in three more but 
that those 10 spots would always be for the the long-term guys and uh, yeah that kind of league it's a completely different mindset for sure yeah i think a lot of the people that listen to my podcast might be in in leagues that are a little bit more than you know five to ten sort of prospects um so with that in mind what kind of advice do you have for people who are and i'm using air quotes here scouting prospects for fantasy hockey what are some things that you would recommend looking for for guys when they're watching you know anything from europe to world juniors to chl to ahl games um what are some things that i mean aside from the opportunity on the roster because that's kind of out of the player's hands what kind of skill sets and attributes are you looking that you think are translatable to the nhl i'm just watching um what i like to see is um is the hustle and the tenacity um i don't like um a lot of floating, a lot of... Uh... We're looking at you, Josh Hosang. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of, uh, you know, hanging on the outskirts. And, uh, you know, and and, and uh, also like to see intelligence. That's harder to see. you got to um, kind of watch um, the player multiple times to, to get that. But that's something else that, uh, um, that I, I like as well. What does that look like? Uh, just, you know, finding the, the man and, and uh, you know, finding the man that not, not even you as, a, as an observer sees, I mean, but he sees. And he, he does that once, that could be, um, you know, just reasonable, good talent. Does that twice, you know, maybe there's a bit of luck too. But if, if you're seeing stuff, stuff like that um, or covering, um, you know, covering uh, the defense or the defenseman moves up or pinches and, and covering. Just, just little little things like that, that uh, just good, smart plays. Um, that, when you see that game over game, then you can attribute that to uh, hockey sense. Um, what I also like to, to do is look at uh, the quality of teammates too, because sometimes, uh, um, you know, on paper, it's, uh, you know, his numbers aren't that impressive or you're a little disappointed. Then you, you're going to the game and you're seeing, um, well, look who he's playing with. Um, that's, that's kind of a big one as well. So that, that's, yeah, if you're watching the game for the purpose of fantasy hockey, that's, that's the sort of things that. All right. And a lot of people don't have access to every league. I mean, you watch your local CHL team on Kojiko or whoever it is, or um, maybe you subscribe to an AHL package. You watch European players when they come on international tournaments, or if you're in Europe, uh, you know, it's hard to get CHL coverage games there. So for people who are trying to get information on prospects and can't watch them either live or, or on TV very often, um, is there anything that you would recommend for, for getting information? I mean, of course, buy the prospect report. That's what we're talking about right now. Um, check out Dauber Prospects. Most players have a profile there. Um, and then you've got your frozen pools for players who are, are in the NHL. Um, what are some other things that you would, uh, sites that you use maybe, or, um, or ways that you do research, online research on prospects? I don't do, I don't, um, get exposure to um, college I don't watch uh, or have college games um, and uh, the Europeans as well other than um, YouTube highlight clips and uh, the guy but you can't really pick up anything from it, so um, aside from what uh, what you can dig up online from uh, websites including other prospects uh, I when you look through their, their stats pages and you, you don't just look at uh, numbers, you look at their numbers um, and, and the way they compare um, year over year, but also league um, over league. And you also want to look at, uh, again, um, the teammates. How's the rest of the team doing? He has 60 points and uh, everyone else on the team has 70. Well, 60 isn't uh, as good. 
because production went down one year instead of up. Why is that? So who, did, who was on the team last year and left? And would make that kind of impact? And I just look at reasons um, for changes in the numbers. And I use that along with comments that I make and come up with a judgment on those players. That is a very good tip. I like that. All right, last question for you, man. It's a hypothetical situation. Let's say you inherit a fantasy team. It's a big league. It's a 20-team league with a full NHL roster and a full prospect bench. And, of course, everyone inherits sinking ships. You know, GMs who have winning teams don't bail on those teams. So the team you inherit is in last place. Um, you've got the first overall pick in the coming draft. You've got two to three roster players that are that are getting interest from from other GMs in your league. Uh, as assets, you've got two to three players who are a kind of prospects, but basically the rest of the roster is is just kind of roster spot fillers. What would be a strategy that you would look at to rebuild that, and how long do you think it would take you to turn that team into not just competitive, but like a contender? Well, the deeper the league, the harder the turnaround. Um, if it's a 20-team league, as you say, big rosters, uh, it's going to be a long time. I mean, there's with aggressive trading and really good and lucky drafting, maybe you can get it. Uh, maybe I can do it in seven years and six. But if if it's uh, if I get some bad luck or everyone in the the league is really good, so trading there's no uh, you know there's no highway robberies to be had in trade, and there's you're not going to do great on the draft um, because everyone else is doing great. Um, then you can be looking at a decade. It's it'll be tough. But uh, what I do is I pick my uh, one or two untouchables and uh, keep my uh, my A prospects. And really, everyone else is gone. And I make sure that uh, um, I try and acquire as many draft picks as I can first, and make sure that. I leave the draft, everyone on my team I at least like. Maybe it's a prospect that's eight years out, you know, but at least I like them, you know. <laughs> give you give you something to, 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 to look forward to, right? Something yeah. to cheer about. You can always swap them out next year or whatever, but you had, I can't stand seeing, uh, there's one league I'm in where uh, they're pretty deep, like 35 players and team teams, but uh, there's a couple of that left that draft with three guys on their team that are still dropsies. And to me, that's just waste. I mean, throw it away. Get three draft picks and replace those. You know, always make sure you have a team that has players that are at least ownable. That should be your goal on the first draft. You know, I think my biggest pet peeve in fantasy drafts is people who are MIA for the draft and get auto-drafted with, like, first-round picks. I just, I'm, like, Dave Hodge, I'm flipping my pen in the air going, why didn't you trade that pick then if you're just going to let it auto-draft? Yeah, yeah. I got rules um, in, in my league that I run that uh, requires attendance. So uh, I think if you miss three out of five drafts, then you're out. Yeah, I mean, I think... And if if you miss it, auto draft, it just goes to the highest drafted player uh, from the entry draft because our draft takes place a couple days after the entry draft. So if you don't show up, you get the next highest ranked player that was drafted um, just recently the other day in the NHL. I think it should be the opposite. I think it should just be you get nothing. You blew it. You weren't there. You missed it. Maybe you get that last pick in the seventh round. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Or maybe you get the ballistic missile. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thanks very much for, for giving me a couple minutes of your time today. Uh, I poured over the fantasy guide, um, the prospect report, that is, uh, the other day. It's great stuff. Uh, I enjoyed contributing to it for the last couple of years. I wasn't in on it this year, so um, I'm just really enjoying it as a fan more than anything this year. Um, it's something that I refer to throughout the year when I get um, people making me trade offers for 
and offer me some prospects, it's it's always good to get that opinion on it. Um, and I'm looking forward to the the fantasy guide for the NHL players. It's coming out uh, in the start of the summer. That's a must-have as well if you're in any kind of fantasy league. Uh, that's a must-have. Um, we talked a little bit about the site, about Dauber Prospects, Frozen Pools. Um, you can follow Dauber on Twitter, at Dauber Hockey. Uh, what else is coming up? On, on your sites there, bud? Uh, well, they're all going to be um, relaunched soon. I tried to time the relaunch of the shop for the release of this prospects report, and that didn't work out. Um, I still have the test page on my screen here in front of me, actually. It's uh, still got a few things to fix on it, but it'll be a more modernized, long overdue um, relaunch of uh, everything. And hopefully by the end of the summer, all the Dauber sites um, will have that. And uh, the one one thing I want to note about the prospects report, um, I get sometimes comments that uh, people wish it was updated um, September or October, and uh, um, at least get the draft picks into their their teams after they're drafted. Um, so just a comment on that, we. If the, the players' names are linked, so if you click on the, the name, and it, it, it'll take you to their profile page on Dollar Prospects, and they will uh, more often than not um, have an update, uh, especially with the players being drafted uh, in later this month. They're going to be in there. They're going to be uh, have updates. So you will have basically an up update right from just a click of the, of the link right from this uh, prospects report. So as far as updating the actual report goes, I'm, once we get to uh, into uh, July, I focus on the fantasy guide, and that's that's where my work goes, and that's where all the updating goes. So um, that's why the actual physical report doesn't get updated uh, you know, later late in the summer. Um, but we we do keep the the website updated, and um, any of those players will link to those updates. Yeah, and I can I can add to that as well. Uh, Dauber Prospects runs a summer series. It's a program that I started when I was managing out of there a few years ago. So in the month of uh, July, it is the 31 and 31 series where each day an article comes out uh, reviewing the NHL team of that day. So it starts in alphabetical order. So Anaheim is on the 1st of July. And uh, it's all about an update on how that team did from the draft, the players that they picked, um, where they fit in the organizational depth chart, um, prospects, uh, camps that they have right after the draft. Uh, of course, as you get later in the month, more and more of those become completed. So Anaheim and Arizona's might not have happened by the time that their teams are posted, but all that kind of information you can find uh, on Dauber prospects on those team pages. And then in August, the dog days of summer, it's more, uh, more summer series 31 and 31 and then each one takes a look at and includes all of the prospects organizational uh, rankings and reviews so you get a top 10 update on players who are on the rise players who are are graduating from from junior starting their pro career where that might be either nhl or ahl uh, so those are those are really great uh, series to read uh, if you're a fan of that team, it's really great. And of course, if you're in fantasy hockey, it's great. You got to read them all, though, because we don't link them all up together like one report. It's just individual articles. But uh, you can find those this summer on Dauber Prospects. Uh, it's great complimentary reading to the prospect report that just came out. And you can get that on DauberHockey.com. You click uh, the shop link and uh, and you can purchase it. You can purchase packages. Uh, what are the price points for the packages there, Dauber? Uh, $29.99 for the Ultimate Fantasy Pack that has uh, everything for the year. Um, $16.99 uh, for the Keeper League Pack. That's that's just the, the Prospects Report and the Fantasy Guide and the preseason draft list all combined. So really, it's like getting... Um, if you buy the Prospects Report, it's like getting the Fantasy Guide for $2. So um, that's, uh, those are the two packages we sell each year. That is good value. The fantasy guide also has some some prospect information on it, but it's a lot more uh, a lot more limited, isn't it? Yeah, more more along the lines of who's uh, you know the prospects who are going to be on the team and helping this year. So 
Right. And it reflects on the draft a little bit as well. But the focus is on uh, getting you primed up for uh, the season ahead. Yeah. Yeah, of course. All right, man. Thanks very much for your time. And uh, I look forward to uh, to reading that fantasy guide when it comes out. Some summer reading in August, bud. All right. Thank you.